I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. LMFM Sunday Sport. Your sport, your station. Now you're very welcome back to LMFM Sunday Sport. David Sheehan with you until five o'clock. Now, while all eyes were on the final round of matches in the Six Nations yesterday, my next guest was putting in a shift in the front row for Harper University or FC against Cornish Pirates in the English Championship. Conor Maguire is a native of Bettystown and is currently on loan at Harper from Gloucester. And he joins me on the line now. Um, Conor, we were just chatting off air there. You're, you're a bit sore today after that game and a five-hour each-way trip probably didn't help you. Yeah, no, I definitely was slow getting out of the bed today. I'm I'm absolutely shattered to be honest. Um Pirates I've heard I it was the first time I ever played Pirates, especially down there. Uh sorry, I played them once at home, but first time playing them in Pirates and I always know from other lads it's uh, it's not an easy place to go, right at the bottom of England. But no yeah, five hour bus trip, seventy minutes under my belt again, someone five hours back, so um yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty sore today now. So you are. And for people that aren't maybe aware of your story, maybe just give us a, a kind of a quick whistle-stop tour of your career so far. You're still only 24, so plenty of years left, but maybe fill people in a bit on where you've been and where you started and where you are now. Yeah, so I would have started under eight in um, Boyne Rugby Club in Drada. Um, uh, two of my good mates, Liam and Rory Strachan, kind of, I was, uh, I loved Bulldog in school and, you know, jumping on people. So they were like, you should actually give rugby a crack. So I said, fair enough. And then I loved it from there. Um, and then I would have went under 15, so all like Northeast Leinster all the way up, uh, won the Shane Horgan Cup and captained them with the Northeast Leinster team. And then I did Leinster under 18s. It was, I was a, I'm sorry, I was a back row all the way up from 15 to under 18s. And then they converted me to a hooker. So Leinster 18s, I played hooker. And then I got on the Irish 18s team that year as well. I played hooker. And then same with Leinster 19s, Ireland 19s. And then Leinster 20s. When I left school, I went straight into the sub-academy. I did two years up in Donnybrook with Dave Fagan and then all like the, the Leinster lads um, that leave school and go to university. So you basically just train like the academy. Mm. And so the two years of that playing hooker. And then my under 20s here, I played with Leinster, but... I was in the Six Nations camps before that started. Uh, before the Six Nations started, I actually got, I tore my AC joint in my shoulder, so I missed the whole Six Nations campaign. And and then I was just back in time for World Cup, but Ronan Kelleher, you see now playing for Ireland, and another friend, Ty McElroy, who's playing over with London Irish now, them two hookers, they took their chance, did very well, and I, I unfortunately couldn't get into the World Cup squad, and I came back, and then... Yeah, just due to probably miss an opportunity, Leinster just decided they wanted to take in one hooker to the academy that year and they took Ronan Kelleher and then I went back to my club, Wesley. Yeah. Um, and I think 
I when I was back playing with Wesley, I probably because I came to hooker quite late compared to other people when I was eighteen. Um, it took me a while to kind of catch up with my throwing and stuff. Yeah. So I was playing well and stuff, but maybe the throwing could have been a bit more consistent. And it was actually a coach, Keane O'Connor, when I was at Old Wesley, my AIL club, said to me, um, "Why don't you give proper go?" Because I, I, I kind of thought about it and I was like, you know what, I'll think about it. And then that year, I actually ended up tearing my ACL. I was out for. 14 months so I um, I said you know what I'm going to give proper go and see uh, maybe will that open up a door for me so it's mm. not about actually t- not about throwing it's just about playing rugby mm. and scrumming so I did I put on what was it 20 kilos in 9 months I got up to about 122, 123 I was pretty heavy wow. and um, went to Australia for a bit of club rugby for 3 months and then I got called in to I got a call from Connacht um to go in for the Celtic Cup so I played in the Celtic Cup with Connacht at Loosehead and then I trained with Connacht for a few months and I was going to sign there but the problem is they had four senior Looseheads and unfortunately New Sephora said there could only be four signed there so they right. had to release me and then I went back to play at my club uh, Old Wesley um, I then got called in to be injury cover for Leinster in the in some of the Pro 14 games now I was only travel reserve I never got on but I did about 8 weeks with Leinster mm. it was a great experience for me to get in amongst some of the, the best players in the country there and my time at Connacht was unbelievable as well Andy Friend was very good to me there and then while I was in Leinster I got called into the Irish club squad um, and I started Bow Internationals against Scotland clubs I did well in them and yeah just Dragons came calling and they needed a, a loose head so um I was actually playing Navin, believe it or not, with Wesley. Right. And it was a real stormy, wet Saturday. And uh, I remember finishing that game and like we all got absolutely drenched. It was a very tough game. And literally two days later, I got a call from Dragons to come over. And the following Saturday, I was on the bench against Treviso in the Pro 14. So it was a big difference from playing an AIL game against one of Boyne's rivals yeah, Navin yeah. in AIL a week later playing Pro 14 and yeah then I, I played with Dragons in that game and then COVID broke out the week after so I was at home for a few months didn't know if I was going to get brought back in or not and um, thank God Dragons actually brought me back over I signed a six month contract with them and I think I got about seven or eight got about eight Pro 14 caps with them then I ended up getting a Pro, uh, Champions Cup cap against Bordeaux Begla off the bench for 20 minutes with them as well um, which was an unbelievable experience and what, what was that like actually just in terms because that probably would have been the, the highest level you would have played at was that at that point oh, in time yeah, anyway it was, yeah it was it was unbelievable like I I came on and I just see Big Ben Tammy Afuna the 150kg Tongan tie head um, after coming on so I was like right I'm going to have to lock horns with this fella um, and to be fair I have someone like Richard Hibbard scrumming beside me mm. who you know, I just take his advice and he, he was a great leader in the scrum for us younger lads. And to be fair, it was no, it was happy days once you, you like when you're playing at that level for a while, you you quickly get up to speed and a lot of the lads around you, to be honest, help you out big time. But yeah. no, it was unbelievable getting to lock horns with the likes of, you know, Ben Tamiafuna, who's a, one of the best tie heads now in the world and a lot of French internationals playing for Bordeaux. It was, it was unbelievable. And then getting to play against Leinster in the RDS with Dragons, you know, and getting the scrum, the likes of Andrew Porter and these lads that are obviously doing so well for Ireland. Yeah. It was 
it was uh, yeah, it was bittersweet. It was a brilliant experience for me as well. So um, yeah, so I did that, and then Dragons uh, got offered me another short short term, but then I got offered the rest of the year to go to um, to go to Gloucester. And you know, I know Premiership rugby is such a big pool, and it probably is the the best league in the world. And I knew for a front row, it's a great league to learn in. So signed with Gloucester, ended up playing a couple of A games and got my Premiership debut with them last year against Newcastle Falcons. And um, yeah, then for the new year, just out on loan for the whole season, my Harpery, uh, playing week and week out of the Championship. And to be honest, it's been an unbelievable year of experience. I think I've played 17 or 18 Championship games now. And it's a lot of learning against big packs like Ealing and and as you, as you said, Pirates, these teams, you know, it's great for a young prop to kind of develop. And then um, just being recently called back into Gloucester now for a few weeks to play in the Prem Cup as well with them. So hopefully I might get a bit of a run out against Bristol next Wednesday. Right, OK. So, I mean, it's you're only, you're only 24, but you have an awful lot of, uh, you know, you've been to an awful lot of different places and a lot of experiences under your belt. Maybe one of the things that and I certainly struggle with it but I'm no rugby expert but I know a lot of the experts even struggle to, to pick it out look at it the likes of the England-Ireland game last weekend for example where a lot of the experts were saying Ireland weren't doing anything wrong and that England were, were illegal in the scrum but the Irish scrum obviously got torn asunder and the referee gave I think it was six scrum penalties against them can you and it's a difficult thing to explain in a short period of time but when you were looking at that game last week I'm always fascinated by the fact that you know two or three or four people or two or three or four different referees can look at at the same scrum and all pick out different different infringements or different things out of it. What were you? What did you make of that that particular game last weekend in terms of what went on in the scrum? Because it's very difficult for yeah. us looking on to pick it out. Um, to be honest, I thought I just thought England were just very dominant. If I had to be completely honest, and that's not against the Irish pack. Like mm. obviously Healy and Furlong are world class players, um, but as well, I would say, and I know as a prop, like England have a massive pack. They have. Atoje and Charlie Hughes, like these big massive men locking you down. They've a, their whole back row are all 115 kilo plus. Like they're a big out pack, mm. you know. In Ireland, their back five wouldn't be the biggest back five. So your back five give you that power behind you as a prop to really push you through the gap. And I just think a lot of it probably was a bit of like a South Africa thing of like it was just a bit of size and power on them as well. Mm. I don't think. There's much more the Ireland front row could have done. I just think it was genuinely a big power. England picked the power team. Mm. Ireland probably picked a more dynamic, like second row and and back row partnership. And uh, yeah, that that weight just over time and can just come true. And to be fair, the Sinclair and Gange, they've been scrumming unbelievable in the Premiership this year, and they're big, powerful boys themselves. Maybe some of them that you could say Gange came a little bit at the angle on Furlong, which is tough for Furlong, but they did have a tactic where the hooker and Genge did attack for a long so he was kind of two against one so there wasn't a lot he could do do you know it was yeah. it was very tough but I just think yeah it was one of them things that England just picked a big powerful set piece pack and Ireland probably didn't mm. um, and yeah I think it just paid off for England a little bit Talk to me a little bit about you know you mentioned you were you were late to come you were late to you know coming into it as a hooker or, but then you had to switch to, to becoming a prop so you were even later becoming yeah. a prop so you know the front row is such a specialist area and as you mentioned there when you're when you're a hooker you have to, you have to take the throws um, it always fascinates me that 
the hooker seems to be the only one that can take the throws in rugby although I think I do remember years ago I remember being told that the scrum halves used to be the ones that take the throws at line outs but obviously that's a lot different now but you had to transition from being a hooker uh, to becoming a prop which is like a whole different set of skills as well how was that and, and what did you what do you have to adjust when you're moving across one position like that yeah I think like the the one thing when I was making the transition from hooker um, I knew it wouldn't I knew it would be a like I knew it would take time, but probably not as much as some people that are coming from the likes of being from number eight or back row to becoming a prop, which you hear a lot of them stories. Mm. But because um, I've already scrummed in the front row, I knew I was used to kind of get my uh, get my neck bent, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But um, no, coming across the loose head, obviously loose head, you're on the left side, you're a bit open, and um, you have to get used to scrumming against one man instead of you being in the centre and, and you're obviously a bit more off balance because you're so open on your open side. Yeah. So um, it did take time to adjust and I had to do a lot of scrum sessions and and obviously then three months I went to Perth to play in Australia. One of the Wesley coaches had a contact and got me over there for a couple of weeks. That helped a lot but to be honest, something with prop, it just comes through playing matches and it comes through time, yeah. you know, and it was just start to click for you, but you just need reps, reps, reps. The best way to learn for any young prop is in a is in a live environment and just playing matches. And that's kind of where I kind of learned the trade of converting from hooker to prop. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, and can you can you maybe explain to us what makes a good prop? Because you know, we you could stand two guys up in front of me here, and who both look exactly more or less the same, the same height, the same weight, but one could get destroyed in a scrum, and one and one won't. And I guess the example that was discussed during the week, and looking back in the end game, was the famous Tom Court appearance a number of years ago. Poor Tom still gets uh, grief about that one, I'd say. But you know, a big man ostensibly should be able to to do the job, but for whatever reason, just wasn't just wasn't able to to, to hold it together. So what what is it that makes makes one guy? a good prop and a, and a guy of similar stature not so good well I think there's a few aspects I think technically is a big thing you know like getting an angle on a prop getting head position you know getting your bind early like there's a lot of things to it than just being strong and I think I learned that very quick that um, 
if I didn't get my position into position really fast, it didn't matter how strong you are mm. at the top level of Premiership and all, you'll just get absolutely dished up. So tech, the technical side of getting head position on a prop and stuff, I learned to be so important if you want to be a good prop. Um, and speed across the line, the big thing you hear at the top level is, and you'll see it when they have their, you know, on the set when they make their hit and they all hit first. Mm. The big thing is getting that explosive hit because if you don't get a good hit and the team do, you're already going backwards and you know, you're know you in a very compromised position. So the big thing is that shot over the line on the hit as a prop and just getting head position. And yeah, it's learned to be technically good. Yeah. But it definitely isn't all about being just a big, strong fella. It can help, but you, you have to learn the technical aspects. And I think... Yeah, being that's why furlong and these things are so good because they can adapt to situations yeah. and um, and basically they kind of just know what they're doing. Like mm. they know to they know not to chase or they know to to sink and hold. You know they know when to do things at the right times. Right. Or if they feel it's on to win a pen and go for it, they know the right moments to go for it. Right. So yeah, as a prop, it's not just for yourself, but I think it's for you, your other prop, and your hooker. You work as a tree. And you're just giving each other comms. That really makes a good front row, to be honest. Yeah, because I mean, all the things, all the things you say there make sense. But of course, the guy across from you was trying to do the exact same thing as you are, I suppose, and trying to get that, get that early bind or whatever it is. So it's a real kind of battle of wills as well in psychology. Hundred percent. It's it's a massive battle, but I think there's definitely little tricks you can learn along the way. And um, but for me, it just came through playing game after game after game, especially this year in the champ how much I've come on especially in scrummaging and stuff you know mm. and that's where you really have to learn your trade against these lads that are probably playing champ rugby for, for years and they know all the tricks because it is a league the champ that's just such a set piece league of scrum and mall with big packs so just getting reps in and practicing and, and seeing what really seeing as well David what works for you you know yeah. it takes time and that's why you said oh you're 24 you're a young prop but props you know don't really come at their prime to 28, 29 now because mm. it just takes that long to get really technically good at it mm. You know, yeah, so. and it's a it's a, yeah such a specialized position as we said. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about. Obviously, you're 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 still you know relatively young in the game, but you've been around for quite a while now. How have you seen? You know, there's so much talk about rule changes, and obviously concussion is something that's in the news almost every week now around rugby. And we saw it with James Ryan last week, and he's had I think I think I read ten HIAs and eighty odd professional appearances now. But in terms of how the game has changed, even since you've come into it, have you seen a lot a lot of change? Do you think it's it's changing for the better? Are there other changes you'd like to see coming in? What's your kind of view? on the, the game as a whole if I can ask you that yeah like I think it's so important to, to obviously be um, to be strict on like lads height in the tackle area and stuff now there's definitely some calls where I'm like did that have to be a red card could that have been a yellow mm. do you know what I mean and like it was obviously a bit of a bad hit on James Ryan but at the same time I know you have to have safety and like, he should have repercussions even if it's a yellow or if it's even a ban after the game but when you're giving someone a red like that and that early in the game as well for something that I think possibly could have been a yellow um, but I guess they're like, trying to they're trying to get that out of the game altogether aren't they they're just trying to be really re- ultra strict well that's the thing like it can ruin the game a little bit but as you said I can totally see why they do it you know they want to get the the concussions are obviously a very serious thing and as we've seen a lot of players have come out over the last few years having bad um, uh, experiences with concussion post-rugby so mm. 
look, I think they just need to do anything they can to protect the game. But then they're doing great things like bringing out these new kind of scrum caps that can um, apparently can reduce the risk of concussion by 20%. Like mm-hmm. they're doing a lot of great things. and But definitely like tackle height needs to big time come down. Um, but yeah, no, I think like, you know, from some collisions, you're like, that's a red card or... Yeah. You know, from some of it was if the player actually did try and duck, and then the other player carrying the ball went really low as well. Like that's not really anyone's fault. You know, that kind of way. Mm-hmm. So, I think I think they could, with the video people and all the people around, they could probably ref it a bit better. You know. Yeah. But I do understand you have to be strict, and these things are are serious. You know. Yeah, and I suppose that the one, the, the England one last week, I guess the thing that sort of did for him was the fact that he didn't maybe he didn't bend at all, and he just was was upright as well when he hit Ryan. Yeah. But as you said, it's it's. There are ones you see that you think are maybe a little bit borderline. So it's it's each one is is in its own kind of nearly category, and the referees and the TMOs have a tough job to, to kind of separate those out and that's decide it's, what's it's deliberate. Subjective, isn't it? You hear some people saying, "Oh, that's a red," or some people saying, "That nah, that wasn't too bad." So maybe like you just need to have that line where if it's hit above any this any anywhere above like the shoulder or whatever, it's a red, and that's probably why they're doing that because it's so probably hard to make a call on these things. Mm. Yeah, and it's obviously going to be a debate that rumbles on. We're going to see more, lots more of those sort of red cards happening. Uh, just oh, to, to, to wrap up with you, with you, Connor, on your own career, you mentioned there you're going to go back to Gloucester now. I mean, I know the the Premiership season is still is still going. The Championship season is is done as far as you guys are concerned. Um, so what's what's coming next for you now in terms of the next few months and the next you know year or two? Do you know, or what are your ambitions? Well, yeah, I want to. I want to, uh, like, probably. Um, the goal for me is to just keep playing, keep trucking away, and waiting for my opportunity to to keep playing at the highest level. But um, I think for me, I'm just going to try and stay over here probably for as long as I can, and keep playing, whether it's in the championship or in the Premiership. Get the I and then I think. I wouldn't have EQP status till I'm 28, but mm. even at 28 and you're fully EQP qualified because it does help you. And just for EQ, in, for people that don't know what EQP is? Oh yeah, EQP just means you're an English qualified player and it can just help you get into clubs much easier. Right. Um, just because you don't affect the club's budget and stuff as much. So to get EQP status would just help you with contracts for like premiership clubs and stuff. So I'm 24 now and I wouldn't have EQP till probably 28, but... Do you know what? I could have another three or four years playing real good, whether it's champ or getting snippets of Premiership rugby as well, mm. and then being EQP, and whether eventually that's hopefully the goal of getting picked for one of the provinces to go home, or to have a really good career in the in the Premiership over here. You know, uh, I'll be happy days with that, and just to keep playing really and enjoying it. Could that pot- could that potentially uh, qualify you for pulling on the the red rose? It could, but um, I I hope. That I'll never have to come to that kind of decision that I just go straight to Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> just that I'd put you on the spot on that one. So the ultimate ambition is is to come back here. Do you feel, you know, that? Oh yeah, the, the ultimate ambition. Look for any Irish man is to get as much experience as I can over here, and eventually I want to go back to Ireland, whether it be Connacht, Leinster, Ulster, any of the provinces mm. that has an opportunity. I'd I'd love to come back, and we all have the goal of wearing the green jersey, don't we? So yeah. And do you feel? Uh, do you feel when you're when you're away? I mean. I guess the, the famous uh, example was Johnny Sexton when he was away in France and he was still getting picked for Ireland but that doesn't happen I think that's the only example of that happening I could be wrong on that but do you feel when you're when you're abroad and we, we talked we talked before we started recording about Carl Martin we've spoken to him about him going away to France which was a brave decision but do you feel when you're away that you're, you're kind of forgotten about a little bit even if you're even if you're in the Premiership and playing well with Gloucester do you still feel like you're off the radar as far as Ireland goes? Um, 
I think n- not really if you're if you're playing every week in the Premiership there's always going to be eyes on you I think if you're playing with any of the URC teams we can see like the likes of Ty Byrne there's always going to be eyes on you as well yeah. and especially top 14 if you're playing week in week out you know there's lads like Chris Farrell there that was with Grenoble that got pulled up with Munster no I definitely do think there's always eyes on you and a lot of you'd be surprised David how many coaches know other coaches and especially how many Irish coaches know English coaches so people do talk mm. and people definitely do try and stay in contact with you and ask you what you're doing and and um, and as well it's kind of yourself and your agent keeping uh, clubs and um, and coaches aware of what you're doing where you are and your footage and stuff so I think it's like, in terms of being in the radar, it's kind of like you need to push it as much as the other coaches as well, if you get what I mean. Yeah, sure. So it's kind of both sides. But um, no, I definitely do think, especially playing in England and playing in France, there's definitely always eyes still on you. 100%. 100%. Well, that's that's interesting to hear, yeah, because I know you, sometimes there's a, there's a there's maybe a perception that once guys are out of the country that they're not maybe being followed, but it's it's good to hear that and it's it's really interesting to hear it as well. Listen, Connor, it's been really interesting, fascinating talking to you. Best of luck with the rest of the season when you go back to Gloucester. I'm sure we'll keep an eye on, your, on how things go for you and we'll, we'll maybe speak to you again in the not-too-distant future. Brilliant, David. Thanks so much for having me as well. LMFM Sunday Sport. Your sport, your station. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.